Thank you, Tom. Come home. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost and to invite them home. In 2000, I think it was 17, some of you helped me with my date here, the Strategic Planning Committee came up with a vision frame for the church. And the, the theme, the uh, motto, whatever you call it, the mission statement for the church is we are connecting with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. Many of you have said that numerous times. We are here as a church to connect with God, one another, and the world through Christ. Now, we've gathered here this morning to connect with God. That's our primary focus as we gather on Sunday morning to worship and to celebrate our great God. That's what we do here. We do it in our private devotions during the week. We read our scriptures, and we meditate, and we pray, and we connect with God. That's a crucial part of our life as Christians. We also connect with one another on Sunday morning. It's fun to go around in the morning and see you talking to each other, and then afterward we go over and have coffee and, and donuts together, and we talk and we visit and we share life. We connect with one another. We have Bible studies during the week, and we connect with one another, and there are ministry teams and kairos and, and grief share and so many other things going on where we come and, and we connect with God there, but we also connect with each other, and that's the focus of, of many of those uh, events that we have. What about connecting with the world? That's not so easy. We're in here. With, this is the holy huddle this morning, and, and we're, we're connecting with God. We're connecting with one another. But Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. What is this world that we talk about when we talk about connecting with the world? Well, the Apostle John, in his writings, speaks frequently of the world. In John 1.10, he writes that Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But all who did receive him, receive him eter receive eternal life. Now, interesting how the word world plays out in that verse. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The word is the cosmos. He made the world, and he was on our planet. And yet the world did not know him. How could our planet know him? So John used that word cosmos in two very different ways here. He talked about the planet, Earth, that God created and that Jesus visited. But then he pulled a switch here, yet the world did not know him. And now he's not talking about the globe. He's talking about those people who inhabit the globe. So the one who made the world, the one who visited the world, the people in that world, the world did not know him. In John 3, 16 through 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So once again, John uses that term cosmos in, in those two ways. He came into the world, okay? God so loved the world, I suspect, and, and I don't suspect, I know, as we read the creation accounts, we know that God has great care for this planet. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So once again, John talks about the globe, but then he focuses in on you. God so loved you. And me. And the drug dealer. And the prostitute. That he gave his only begotten son. So that the drug dealer. And the prostitute. And the rocket scientist and the bank president who are lost can have eternal life. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then as Jesus and John recorded in John 17, prayed for us, for his people. He said, I have made known to those who you gave me out of the world. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. And then he says again about us in John 17, you and me, the Christians. Jesus, praying to the Father, said, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And now I have sent you to reach those who are lost. So how do we relate to this world, the people of this world, the people who don't go by the name Christian? See, John, uh, Jesus, and then John quoting him, uses this term cosmos to talk about the planet Earth which God created and he also refers to the world as the people on the planet who have not yet come to Christ and become part of his church. That's the majority of the world's population. And Jesus said, I have sent you into the world to reach them. Is there a higher calling? Is there a more important task in the world? You say, once again, how do we relate to this world? A lot of bad people out there. Some of them smoke. <laughs> I was in a church where they kicked the AA group out of their church because there were too many cigarette butts left behind. And I said, this church doesn't need fewer cigarette butts. It needs more cigarette butts. 
And so answering the question, I asked, how, how did Jesus relate to the world? And if you turn to, John, uh, to Luke chapter 15, <coughs> we read how Jesus related to the world. <coughs> John, uh, Luke 15.1. Now the tax collectors and sinners, those in the world, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Huh. He talked to them. He gathered with them. But the Pharisees, the religious folks, the teachers of the law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. How could that be? Then Jesus told them this parable. And in the parable, there are three stories. It's important that we, we, we understand the three stories. And one of them is one of Jesus' most famous stories. Uh, but the three stories work together to create this parable. The first story in the parable is about a man. He says, now, which one of you? And Jesus pulled these Pharisees into the story. He says, which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and one of them was lost, would not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go find the one that was lost? And he tells the story of a shepherd. Had that happened? And he went and he found one of them, and, and he put it on his shoulders and took it home with great rejoicing. And he's called his friends together and said, hey, I found my sheep. Come and party down with me. Rejoice with me. Celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Great deal. And then he told a second story. There was a woman who had 10 coins, and she lost one. It says she turned her house upside down. She searched until she found it. And when she found it, she called her neighbors and said, I found my coin. Come and rejoice with me. We're going to have a party. I'm going to spend the penny on bug juice and cookies for our celebration. And then the third story. The man had two sons. He lost one of them. The son went away. Now, remember, this is a parable. And the beauty of parables is the teller can make it up any way he wants. He's not telling the truth. And he can put the, the uh, emphasis on any place he wants. And in this parable of the lost son, you know the prodigal son, one of Jesus' most famous parables, he talks about the son after he had gone away. And, and he says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. At first, he had lots of money and lots of friends. But like some of us have found out, you run out of money, you run out of friends. And that's what happened to him. And, he, and, that, and so he was in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him in the field to feed pigs. Now, here's this rich farmer's kid, a Jew, who went off to the far country, which means Gentileville. He was broke. He needed a job. And the only job he could find was feeding pigs. Now, remember, Jesus is telling this story to religious Jews, and this kid is feeding pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. Jesus said, this kid, did, this kid didn't just hit bottom. 
he broke clear through. This kid needed a ladder to climb up to the bottom. You see how Jesus is putting the emphasis here? He wants us to understand what it means to be lost. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, here I'm starving to death, and my dad's hired hands have enough to eat. Now, I can't go home and ask to be a son, but I can get it. Dad, would you give me a job? Honest day's work for an honest day's pay? I just got to eat, man. When he came home, his father welcomed him, hugged him, brought him in, put the ring on his finger, put a robe on his back and shoes on his feet. Beautiful, beautiful story. A lost son welcomed home. And then he said, kill the fattened calf. Create a banquet. Man, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a great time. And throughout this parable, so these three stories together, pile one on the other, Jesus is making a point. I came to seek and to save the lost. You guys are condemning me for eating with sinners. That's my whole deal. Now, there was an older brother in that story of the prodigal. And the older brother was out there grousing a party. He was one of what you call a Puritan. You know what a Puritan is. Somebody who lives with a constant dread that somewhere, somehow, someone is having a good time. <laughs> and this older brother said, man, I stopped the party. I, the father came out. The father came Because the older brother was lost too. And so the father had compassion on. He reasoned with the older brother. You see, the father cared about the son who strayed. He also cared about the son who stayed. And in this parable, in this story of the son, you have three characters. You've got the son who went away, the sinner. You've got the son who stayed and groused at the father because he cared for the son who strayed. That's the the older brother, and then, and then you have the father. And then in the setting of the parable, in the setting of the story, you have three characters. You have the sinners Jesus was eating with. You have Jesus who was eating with the sinners, who welcomed the sinners in. And you have the Pharisees. And in the parable and the setting, you have a correspondence of the characters. The younger brother who went astray and was lost are the sinners Jesus was eating with. The father who welcomed the sinner, the son who strayed home, was Jesus. And the older brother who was grousing about the father welcoming the, his brother, which he couldn't even call him his brother, the older brother said, the son of yours, are the Pharisees who were too religious to care about the sinners. Like some Christians. Very comfortable in the holy huddle. But I want nothing to do with those nasty people. Well, there's a theme, I said, that runs through this, these three stories. Let me, let me read. After the the uh, shepherd found his son. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. 
And then Jesus added this thing, verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99, and hear the iron here, righteous person who don't need to repent. You overstuffed religious bigots. You need to repent just as much as these people I'm eating with. And then the woman, she found her coin. And says, uh, she called her neighbor and said, rejoice with me. I have found my coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Every time someone bows their head and says, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please save me. The angels get together. Hey, Gabriel, bring your horn. We're going to have a party. One other one came in. Celebrate. Fantastic. When the son came home, the father said, let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father went out to the older brother. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Wow. And, and I long for every one of us to have that incredible rejoicing experience of being God's instrument to share the gospel with somebody and do something that makes all heaven light up with rejoicing. I was invited to speak at a singles retreat up in Lansing, a church in Lansing, Michigan. So I went out and picked me up at the airport. We got to this retreat center, nice place, all these lovely uh, yuppie types, nice people, really nice people. And so I'm looking at, they, and they're getting ready to eat. And I saw in the line there, this guy had red like carrot color, red, red hair down to his shoulders, teeth missing here. These teeth were decayed, uh, not dressed well at all, worn out shoes. They looked like a homeless person. And I thought, who in the world is this guy? And I figured maybe they, the rescue mission sends people over to help in the kitchen or something. And then he's visiting with the people. And, and, and being the very spiritual, religious person I am, I said, who invited that jerk? And Jesus said, knock it off, Buzzle. You're supposed to be the religious speaker in this outfit. So anyway, I, I said, I asked the guy, who's this guy? Well, he was a homeless guy. And one of the people in that singles group had picked him up off the street, met him, and says, well, I'm going to this retreat. Come with me. Well, some of the people there thought, what? Who said you could invite this guy? Well, long story short, after the Friday night meeting, knowing he was there, I kind of spun. I was doing this thing on interpersonal communication and conflict management. So I was talking about how I sneaked this in a little bit, about how much better it is we communicate each, when we know Jesus as our Savior. What a, well, afterward, the guy, came, uh, Mike, his name was, Mike came and said, what's this, what's this about? So we sat down and talked with him, and he bowed his head and says, I want to be, I, I want, yeah, I wanted Jesus to forgive my sins. I got a lot of them. Now, some of you guys in Kairos ministry, 
Those are the lost kind of people you see in the prison, isn't it? The down and outers. The guys who have really messed it up. You say, they're lost. Man, they're lost. They need Jesus. Well, after that retreat, they invited him to their church, and he started coming to their singles group. And, and uh, I got letters and phone calls from these four. They wanted me to keep me up to speed. Mike uh, got a job. They helped him get a job. Uh, he got an apartment, got an old beat-up used car, but he had a car. Go back. They would call him in the morning and say, hey, Mike, get up and go to work. And they taught him how to go to work. And then he sent me a picture. His teeth were fixed. But his heart was fixed. He got off drugs. He got off alcohol. He got control of his life. A lost sheep came home. It's a wonderful story. You hear it all the time in this Kairos, don't you? Beautiful story. Let me tell you another story about Dennis and Linda. We lived in upstate New York. I was a, the uh, project, what do you call it? I in charge, I ran the joint. And, and it, it, this big Bible conference thing. And, and dur- they closed it down during the winter, and Jeanette and I lived there on the grounds and, and took care of the place. And so it was just a normal kind of job. I wasn't a pastor or anything. I was just a guy working a, uh, you know, with my hands and my coveralls and painting and doing stuff. Well, Jeanette went to a Tupperware party. <laughs> I heard it, yeah. Oh, yeah, Tupperware. Well, she came home that night and said, I met this most wonderful girl. Her name is Linda. And they talked about it a little bit and said, why don't we have them over for dinner sometime? Well, her husband was a state trooper, Dennis, and, and uh, had been a New York City cop, tough, tough guy, and then he was a state trooper. So we had him over for dinner, and we're sitting there eating, and our, our son Chris was like, he was like a year old, and he's over here gurgling and drooling in his little deal. And, and their, their son, a daughter, Eileen, about the same age over here, she's drooling and gurgling. Doing it. it was a, just a wonderful evening. And as it normally did with us, it got around to Jesus. And so what, you, you go to church? Well, I, he said, I grew up, I was an altar boy, and, but you know, I, got, I sort of faded away. She said, I grew up Methodist. Now, this is nothing against Methodists. But she said, it, it didn't really matter much to me about, you know, so you go to church. So, uh, yeah, we've heard we're kind of re- religious in our own way. And I said, has anybody ever explained to you what Christianity is about? No, I don't think so. So we walked them through our Romans Road, the four spiritual laws. You know, we combine all that stuff together. And we told them about we, are, we sin. Hey, you guys ever say, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. And, and Jesus came to forgive us for our sins. And it's so simple, it's almost embarrassing to tell you this. All you got to do is ask him. And he'll forgive your sins. And you become part of God's family. And you enter into this personal relationship with the God who created you. Because he loves you. That's just the simple gospel. Dennis said, oh, I'd never heard that before. And I said, you heard it now. Why don't you just go ahead and ask Jesus to be your savior? So we knelt down there. Went into the living room. Chris and Eileen and their little drooling and gurgling over here on the sofa on the thing. And the four of us on our knees praying and they received Jesus. I want to tell you something. There was not only rejoicing in heaven that night. There was rejoicing in the bustle house. They were rejoicing after they went home. Jeanette and I wept. 
These delightful, wonderful, beautiful. Now, they're not down and outers. They're good, respectable, hardworking, clean, brush your teeth, get a haircut kind of people. Just as lost as Mike was. Just as in need of a savior as some of your neighbors are. Well, over time, then, the next day, next, I came in for lunch. I used to eat, work on the grounds, come home for lunch. Came home for lunch. Jenna said, hey, Linda called. Wonder if we could come over for dinner tonight. Sure, we went over. So we went up to the bookstore. The conference center had a bookstore and, and Bibles and stuff. It was a Christian place. So we went up, got two Bibles for them, one nice leather-bound Bible for each of them, and went over and told them, read the Gospel of John. A great friendship grew out of that. God celebrated. We celebrated. I could bore you all afternoon with stories. Down and outers and up and outers. Lost. Like the sheep. Like the coin. Like the sun. And Jesus said to his father, as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. But before we go into the world, we need to connect with God. We need to connect with one another for support, encouragement, training. But it can't stop there. If you're going to serve and love this God whom we serve, whom we worship, then we have to realize that he has sent us into the world because there are lost people out there and they need to know Jesus. And so coming and hearing the scriptures and, and, and learning and growing and being more confident in your ability to talk about Jesus and the encouragement and the prayers that we serve one another with Give us the strength to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus who came into the world to seek and to save the lost. Now, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, don't leave here without at least exploring that. That's, that's what this is about. I mean, ultimately and finally, we're here to change the world one person at a time by introducing them to Jesus. We'll have some folks down here in the front, some of our Stephen ministers, to pray with you. And if you want to inquire more about what it means to be a Christian and how you get into that process, please talk to us. We'd love to talk with you about that. Father, what an awesome privilege it is to be your child, to know you, to love you, and to know that we are loved by you. And to know that because you're in our hearts, the Holy Spirit wells us and molds us together as the people of God. So, Lord, may we be very, very serious about connecting with you, not only here, but during the week in our own private time uh, of meditation and prayer and Bible reading with you.
And may we go out of our way to connect with each other, to encourage one another, to build one another up, to instruct one another, to confess our sins to one another, to, to uh, fill our cookie jars with, with your love. And then, Lord, let us connect with your world, that you came into this world to save us from our sin. Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us this awesome privilege to be your messengers of life to others. In Jesus' name.